Hey there, I'm Dana, your Canadian English teacher, with another English lesson so you can speak and understand the English spoken in Canada. If you're learning English for the Great White North, then you've come to the right place. You'll learn phrasal verbs, common expressions, conversation tips, and of course, some typical Canadianisms. In today's episode, I'm chatting with my friend and the amazing English teacher, Maria from English for Canada. Maria is an English exam expert, and today we are talking about the CELPIP exam. Hi guys, welcome back to another episode. Today I am joined by Maria from English for Canada. Hi everyone. Yeah, welcome to the podcast. I'm so glad that you're coming on. We did an Instagram live together mm-hmm. a few weeks ago now. I don't know. Yeah, on pronunciation. That was fun. We had a lot of great questions. We did. We did. And I've decided to bring you onto the podcast um, because you are the test expert. Can I call you the test English test expert? We've been referred to as the exam queens or, no, I'm kidding, <laughs> but we definitely, we're experts on anything English proficiency exam related, whether it's IELTS or CELPIP or TOEFL or any of the Cambridge exams like the FCE, CPE, CAE, we've done them all. So we know what the examiners are looking for. Excellent. And today we are going to specifically be talking about a Canadian exam, about the CELPIP exam. Yes, the self exam. And we're going to compare it to the IELTS. Yeah, and let's be even a bit more specific. We'll, we'll make some comparisons to the IELTS general training, since that's the exam that has the same purpose as the CELPIP. And we can definitely go over some of the most common questions that we get at English for Canada. Perfect. So let's just start with the basics. So why would a student consider taking the CELPIP or the IELTS exam? Okay, so the IELTS exam is an international exam. It was developed by Cambridge University, and there are two companies that administer it, the British Council and IDP. So this test is offered all over the world, and it has two versions. One of them is for academic purposes, but the one we're going to talk about today is called the IELTS General Training Test. Now, that one is used for immigration purposes. So the Canadian government uh, has a few immigration programs like the Federal Express Entry Program or the Provincial Nominee Programs. There are even some municipality ones, but the main immigration programs do require that candidates who wish to move to Canada, they have to prove that they have English proficiency to succeed and to, you know, get by in the country once they arrive. Um, The pool for immigration is quite competitive. So the higher you score on your exam, the better chances you'll get at being invited to immigrate with a permanent residency. So there are only two exams that are allowed, the IELTS General Training and the CELPIP which is their competitor, to be honest. Um, And it's a Canadian-based test developed from or developed by the University of British Columbia here in Vancouver. So the company that administers the test is called Paragon Testing. So basically, if you want to immigrate to Canada through an immigration program, you have two options. 
the IELTS general training or the CELPIP exam. And although they have some similarities, there are some important differences and it's important for you to do some mock tests so you can get an idea as to which one suits your profile. Awesome. That's all the answer we need for that question. <laughs> well, now I want to, because a lot of people get confused with all these letters. They When they start, you know, in, imagining their Project Canada, their immigration plan, they're suddenly, you know, bombarded with acronyms, right? Like the CEFR and the TOEFL and the IELTS. And it's, it's definitely overwhelming. So it's good for us to break it down into components and, and understand what each of these letters means. Yeah. So the CELPIP exam. We can break it's that a, one down. Yeah, it's the Cana it's a Canadian English proficiency test. Um, well, there's longer terms. And then the IELTS is the International English Language Testing System. Well, the CELPIP exam is quite popular and it's gaining traction in, not only in Canada. It's also starting to be offered in other countries. Like I think it's offered now in the Philippines and in Dubai, but it's a pretty new test in comparison to the IELTS test. Um, there are some big differences that we'll definitely want to go over. Yeah, let's, let's talk about when a student is, you know, or a, a person is taking a look at their Canada plan and they want to decide which test that they should take. How mm -hmm. should someone approach that? So this question, the answer to this question has, has, adapted over the years because when the CELPEP first came out, they were one of the only tests for immigration purposes, I'm not comparing the TOEFL, which is not allowed, not accepted for immigration purposes, that the CELPEP was done on the computer and it still is. And at the time when the CELPEP first started, the IELTS general training test was only done on paper. So this was originally a huge deciding factor, especially for our students when, when it came to deciding which test they wanted to do. A lot of them automatically chose the CELPIP because it was a computer-delivered test, meaning they could type their responses in the writing test, which is a pretty adv advantageous and advantageous, rather, um, you know, point to the exam. However, now the IELTS also offers a computer delivered version of the exam. So the decision is even a little bit more nuanced and detailed than it was before. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And when did IELTS start doing this computer testing? Uh, I'd say the beginning of last year. Um, okay. Most exam centers offer the computer delivered test now. Uh, I'm really happy that they did that, especially because, well, number one, the quality of the audio for the listening test is so much better now. I mean, for I'm sure some of your listeners have done the paper-based IELTS, like the old school way without headset, and the quality of the audio for the listening test was tough. And it, I think it wasn't really easy to listen to like a speaker in a room. So now we've got the audio, the quality of the audio is a lot better because we've got the headset. But not only that, even though the exam is on a computer, the speaking test on the IELTS test is still in person with an examiner, which I think is a huge advantage to the IELTS because, you know, it's much more natural to speak to a human rather than a computer. Exactly. So when we're talking about these computer-based tests, just to um, clarify, when you're taking the um, CELPIP exam, you're not going to be interacting with a human. 
No, uh, your exam is definitely assessed by more than one examiner. They have uh, rigorously trained CELPIP performance uh, test raters, um, but they're not actually there with you in the exam. So the exam format is all on tests uh, on the computer and you go to the exam center and you're going to be in a room with several other candidates and you'll have your own computer to do your entire test on. You're at no point do you speak directly with an examiner on the CELPIP exam. Okay, so these testing centers, if you're not in one of the places where this is offered now, you have to physically be. Yes, the, cell, the CELPIP um, is back now i mean we they had like like every other business they had to close down for some time due to the covid crisis but they are offering tests now again and as of this weekend they had them in vancouver and i know as of may they're running again in toronto of course with limited capacity because they have to you know mm -hmm. adhere to social distancing but you still have to go to the CELPIP center to do the test you can't do it from home um now the IELTS general training, unfortunately, we still don't have an at-home version for it. And but you know, it depends on your local exam center. You can find a place that's offering it during this COVID crisis. It just really depends on, I guess, the outbreak in your local, in your region, right? Like we've got to see, you know, if your local exam center is willing to open for, depending on the safety, right? So both exams, you have to go to the center, even if it's on a computer. Okay, so our main differences right now that we have discussed is that in the IELTS, you will face an exam examiner for your speaking portion. Mm -hmm. And in the CELPIP, you're going to speak to the computer. Yes. What are some other differences, major differences that students will want to know about when making their decision? Oh, there's, there's quite a few. Why don't we break it down by sections? Um, the speaking test on the IELTS is with an examiner, but the cell pip, it's on a computer and they have eight questions, eight tasks that you're going to have to do. Each task will assess a different aspect of your English. One of them will assess your ability to speak in the past. One of them will assess your ability to speak in the future. Um, and a lot of it has to do with your ability to understand or gauge the appropriate tone of who you are speaking to. Is it formal? or informal and using appropriate language or expressions for that person. Because you have to pretend you're talking to somebody, even though you're on a computer, you have to like put yourself in that situation. And that's part of your assessment. They want to see like, can you really use this English and your English in everyday life? That's the whole point of the exam. So the speaking test on the CELPIP is on the computer. And a lot of students find that uh, a little bit daunting at first because they have to practice with a timer. Okay. Yeah, so it's important to practice with a timer. The questions will, most of the questions are a 60 second response. Um, two of them are actually 90 seconds, task one and task seven. And you usually have between 30 and 60 seconds to read the question, understand the question and to think about your response. So especially if you're nervous, that time can go pretty quickly. When you're looking at a yeah. question, by the time you've understood it, you've got 10 seconds left to think of ideas. It's so, like being in a Miss Universe pageant yeah. or something, kind of, right? Like, yeah, or like a game show, like you've got like yeah. So, you know, that's why with our students, we drill them actually with a timer, even in class, and we get them to record themselves and send us audios because uh, part of the, the you know, perf their performance and the results that they get on the exam is whether or not they are used to speaking 
with a timer in front of them. And that's not really natural. I mean, not in, there's, I can't think of many situations in everyday life where we'd have somebody ask a, a question with a timer and be like, okay, go, you've got 30 seconds. To I guess it's kind of similar to leaving a voice message. Yeah, exactly. When you're talking to nobody, but you're wanting to convey a message and you know you don't have all the time in the world, you usually leave a voicemail that's like 30. Exactly. But, but I, I do find that with our students, like once they've gotten used to what's going to happen in each task, because the tasks are basically always the same, like the question changes, but what you have to do is the same for each of the eight tasks. Once they're familiar with what's going to happen next and does nothing comes as a surprise, they're fully prepared and they know, okay, next question is going to be about talking about the future. They're, there's, they're more prepared, they're less surprised or shocked when they've got a new question, and they can navigate through the test a lot easier and with a lot smoothly, more smoothly. Okay, yeah, yeah. so let's move on to another section. Let's think about... A listening test, I think, is a, it's a big deciding factor for a lot of uh, candidates. I think that the CELPIP has an awesome listening test in the sense that it uses Canadian accents exclusively. The test was developed in Canada and it's based on Canadian culture and content. So a lot of the accents and the material, like all the ideas they use, the arguments they use on the test are based on Canadian life. So I think that's pretty cool. It's a unique difference of the CELPIP test because the IELTS or like the TOEFL, those tests, like the IELTS uses a lot of British accents or Australian accents in the listening test. And a lot of students have said to us, like, oh, I really prefer the CELPEP listening test because it's just the same Canadian accent, which is pretty neutral and easy to understand for most people. So that's a, a big benefit, I would say, of the CELPEP listening test. Yeah, because pretty much across Canada, there's a general standard accent. We don't vary too much region from region like you would expect. Even in the United States, there's quite a regional Oh. difference in accents in Canada not so much right so yeah it's 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 fairly neutral and I find that they don't speak too quickly like I've done the listening tests and they speak at a pretty good cadence pretty good pace you're you don't feel like they're rushing um now keep in mind it's almost twice as long as the IELTS listening test the, the self-help listening test is almost an hour and this uh, IELTS one's 30 minutes so you know if you have a short attention span perhaps or you find it really hard to focus for an extended period of time that could be a drawback for you or it could be a little bit exhausting to do almost a one hour it's quite a long test like the listening but so it's interesting yeah. that it that it's so long because if it's a test that's really taking into account your everyday use of English, it just goes to show how important listening and listening skills are, if that's a reflection from the test, right? Yeah, and, and they, it's, it's about, four, the listening test is between 47 and 55 minutes. It depends on the, the topics you get on the, on the mm -hmm. listening test. Now, what's cool about the listening test is they do have some videos on the CELPIP. There are a couple of sections where they'll show you like a two-minute video with a, a dialogue or, you know, a conversation between a group of people. And you have to infer a lot. You have to kind of understand what the nuances are, the, what, they're in, what they're referring to. It's not always direct. Like the answers aren't as clear cut as we think they are. So it's a lot about comprehension and understanding the general context of what they're trying to say. And a lot of that can come from body language. So watching on um, doing a self listening test, you should also be paying attention to expressions or body language in the video portion. Oh, interesting. That's a good point. Yeah. 
that students need to consider. Now let's let's move on to another section. Let's talk about reading. Sure. So the reading test is fairly similar in terms of well, duration is the same as the IELTS. It's a, the IELTS is an hour and the where you have to manage your own time and the self-pip is 55 to 60 minutes. Now the IELTS has three sections, but the self-pip has four. They both get progressively more difficult. Same with the listening. Usually these tests, these standardized tests, they always start off a little bit with the easier questions, right? To kind of warm mm-hmm. you up. Like the IELTS listening, the beginning is mostly numbers and letters, and then it gets harder. And, and same thing with the reading. We start off a little bit easier, and then we get a little bit progressively gets more challenging. Um, now, for both of these tests, there are some reading strategies that can be applied. Um, most people waste a lot of time reading every single word. So they'll, they'll read through every single word of the text and then look at the questions. And that's really tiring, cumbersome, and it wastes time. And a lot of these exams, since you've got like 40 something, like 40 questions to respond to, for example, in the IELTS, you've got to manage your time very well. You can't spend 10 minutes reading one question and trying to decipher the response. So applying some strategic reading strategies to help you get through the text and the answers quick, as quick as possible um, is really important. And these are things like skimming and, and skimming. Yeah, yeah. There's yeah. like three, we teach three steps to our students. So skimming first, where you want to do like a very superficial read through just to kind of get the gist of the text before you look at the questions. And, you know, a lot of students don't know what that word means, gist, right? So I, I tell our students, like, imagine that you go watch a, a really good movie or you just read a really awesome book and you want to tell your buddy about it you're not going to go into every detail. You're going to give them like an overview of what it's about. That's kind of what you want to get, a sense of the like an overview of mm-hmm. the reading passage before you will look at the questions. That way, when you're looking at the questions and you're identifying, okay, what information am I missing? You have an idea of where to look in the text. You're not going to waste time reading the text twice. So skimming and scanning skills, like you mentioned, are super important to you know save your bum on both of these exams because you've got to save time and you you don't get tired if you read that much absolutely Absolutely. get tired yeah and then finally we have writing so So, yeah writing um both tests are about the same duration the 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 ielts gives you 60 minutes and the self it between 53 and 60 now they both have two parts two tasks uh, to the list, the writing test. And task one, which is a letter or an email you have to write to somebody, is identical on both exams. I, I, I don't see any difference between the CELPIP or the IELTS in task one. You have to write a letter uh, responding to like a prompt. It might be like, oh, you want to volunteer. And uh, I, I, you saw an ad in the newspaper for a volunteer opportunity and you want to apply. And then there's three things you have to do, like send the person a letter explaining why you're interested in the volunteer position, why you'd be a great candidate and when you could start, for example. So those are pretty straightforward. Most candidates don't struggle too much in task one. I think the most challenging part, and I'm sure your listeners who have perhaps done these exams would agree that task two of the writing is the hardest part of the exam for, I think, any of these exams. Task two of the writing is quite a challenge. For, for the IELTS or the CELPIP. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And 
what what is it that makes it more difficult for students? And there's quite a few aspects to it in terms of the assessment criteria. But I think a really common theme, a common issue that most people have is critical thinking and being creative in the moment and thinking of good arguments. Because it's not just a matter of having, you know, relevant arguments. That's also really important because you'd be surprised at how many um, essays we read that are even from native speakers that are super proficient in terms of their grammar and their vocabulary, but then they go totally off topic. And that's a big no-no. You don't want to go off topic. You want to stay relevant. But it's not only that. It's about having strong and cohesive, organized answers. You know, if you're going to make a statement, you've got to expand on it and say why you think that. So, you know, you have to defend yourself. And a lot of times coming up with those, you know, strong arguments and using your critical thinking skills in an exam is tough because you're tired, you're stressed, you're under pressure, right? Uh, so the best ways to overcome that is practice and, and being familiar with common themes you might see on the exam. Now, the cell pip, I would say the themes are a little bit simpler, not easier. I'm going to use the word simpler, which is a bit different. It doesn't mean that the test is easier because the IELTS, I mean, the cell pip exam examiners are still very hard on candidates they they expect to see advanced proficiency they're not gonna it's not that it's easier but the content the questions themselves are more about everyday life so they'll be about a survey so it'll be like oh you work for a company and your boss wants to offer health insurance and they'll give you two options to choose from option a or option b and you have to make a choice about the option you've chosen and justify it so it requires creative ideas and critical thinking. And I think that's a big challenge for most candidates. Sure. And like you said, that's a challenging task for native speakers as well. Oh, for sure. Yeah. yeah. Especially, especially if you haven't really practiced for the exam, you're not too familiar with, you know, the format. It's, it could be daunting. So, you know, the assessment criteria, I always kind of refer to this with our clients and our students that we, we love so much. as like a, a pie the pie or a pizza. There's, imagine there's a, a pizza or pie in front of you with four big slices. If two of the slices are about your grammar and your vocabulary accuracy, like whether or not you used the right word or the right word order or you know correct grammar tense, that's just half the pie. The other half of the pie is based on the assessment criteria that the examiners are trained on and they apply it. So you really have to understand what the examiners expect of you so that you can get the band score that you need. Otherwise, even a native speaker can go to the test and not get the results that they want. Can you bring that up? Because that's something that is kind of funny to think about in Canada, that Canada also requires people who are applying for immigration from English-speaking countries Mm -hmm. to complete either the CELPIP or the IELTS general exam. Well, it's funny that you mentioned that because remember when Prince Harry, uh, or I guess we can't call him Prince Harry anymore, when, when Harry <laughs> decided <laughs> to step down from the royal family and they wanted to move to Canada, um, there was a lot of, you know, I read a lot of articles about how he would have to apply through, well, most likely not, obviously, but theoretically, he would have to apply through the same immigration programs that most of your listeners and our, and our listeners as well 
um, have to apply to. And then I thought, well, Prince Harry will have to do the IELTS or the CELPIP <laughs> because yeah. it's, 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 it's the same rule applies. We uh, have helped tons of students that are native speakers from Australia, the US or Ireland that, or the, even the UK that have, you know, planned on immigrating to Canada, whether it's because they want to work here or they met a partner and they, and they, they're not yet married or whatever the reason might be, if they're applying for an immigration program, they will have to take one of these tests and they get really dumbfounded and shocked when they go to the test, they do it without having prepared because they assume, oh, I'm a native speaker, it's going to be a breeze. And then they do really well on the listening and the reading, but then they struggle on the speaking and the writing because those are the two skills of the test that are based on assessment. Not yeah. on did you get it right or wrong. It's what did the examiner, like what band score did you get from an examiner? Yeah, that must be so weird if you were as a, a native English speaker to receive like a lower score. on Writing, you could imagine maybe if you're out of practice that your writing skills wouldn't be so hot. But yeah, that would be, I've, I've heard of that from friends actually who have moved to Canada. Yeah, especially on the CELPIP. Um, the CELPIP, we've had people say, I got, because it's out of 12, right? Band score to 12, unlike the IELTS, which is nine. So they, we, get, we get emails of people saying, oh, I got a 12 on the listening, a 12 on the reading, but then I got an eight on the speaking and an eight on the writing, and I don't understand why. And then we do an assessment and we ask them to send us a sample of their writing, and we quickly see that they didn't really understand how to organize their ideas or how to respond according to the performance standards that they have. Um, or they went slightly off topic or whatever the issue might be for them. But there's always something that kind of held them back. So we we work on those little details and nuances to help them boost their band score. Yeah, and that totally makes sense because these people also rely on having a high score to increase their probability, right, for for immigration. The lowest band score that somebody can get to apply for, like, Let's use the express entry program, which is the federal immigration program. The lowest band score that somebody can have to qualify, meaning that they can open or you know create their profile on the government website, is a CLB7. CLB means Canadian Language Benchmark and a 7. So that does not mean band 7. There's If you go to IELTS Canada um, the official source for it. I think it's IELTScanadatest.com. I'll, I'll post the link for you. You can see there's a CLB converter. It converts yeah. the link, the CLB to the IELTS or the CELPIP so that you can um, calculate what you need for each band score. But as a prof in terms of proficiency level, in order to qualify, you need at least, uh, I would say, upper intermediate proficiency to qualify. Um, we've helped students, though, in intermediate levels get it because we work on the assessment criteria so that's it's like a strategy that we have so to help lower level students but most people even just to qualify to immigrate to Canada they do have to have like at least some proficiency where they can get by in life and work and communicate of course because level seven is quite proficient it is definitely higher than the kind of intermediate level that many people who haven't had much exposure to English and native English speakers would kind of be sitting at, right? So yeah, it's a, a, just to give you an idea, a CLB seven is equivalent to a band six on the IELTS and a band six is equivalent according to the common European 
framework of reference. I'm feeling super geeky right now, but according to that, it's a B2 upper intermediate. Like I said, though, some, some intermediate students have gotten that band score. We've helped uh, lower level students do it. But yeah, you should at least be able to communicate. And, and, and if you even want to read a little bit more into what the Canadian language benchmark is, if you go to their official website, um, they have the breakdowns of what you should be able to do in everyday life with your English if you have a Yeah, these are called their can-do statements, which are super useful. Um, I have a, on my website, when students join Can Learn English, they can do a CLB reading assessment, which kind of takes them through different reading prompts and will loosely determine yeah i'm even just if you go to if you go to the government website or if you go to language.ca you'll see that they have the can do statements there but we and it's it's pretty helpful because a lot of these terms like teachers know them but we don't expect students to know all this stuff like students don't have to know what seal what what upper intermediate what that entails i mean it's quite detailed. So looking at those can-do statements and, and doing the test like through you would be great because then they can get an idea, oh, okay, I can communicate through an email or I can, you know, make a phone call. Yeah, and kind of doing, I have a YouTube video about that as well, just kind of uh, an own self-assessment so you can take a look at your own skills and, you know, would I be able to do this in English, yes or no, or, you know, if you take a look at a diagram could you write a response or things like that so um super useful listen we are getting along in time here and we probably could chat for quite a while but you've been talking a lot about how you help students why don't you let my listeners know what it is uh english for canada does and where they can get more information so they can be Exam superstars. Exam superstars. Awesome. We like that. Well, we are a team of Canadian teachers. I am from Vancouver, Canada. I lived abroad in Brazil as an English teacher for a long time, just like I know that you did, Dana. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and we are a team of Canadian exam experts. We also help students who need to improve their overall fluency, like if they want to do business English or conversation classes. And one of our main focuses, though, is preparing students so they can get the band score they need on the IELTS, the CELPIP, the TOEFL, or anything exam-related. So we post tons of exam tips um, on, our, on our social media accounts or profiles and and we'd love to help you our classes are all personalized sessions they're coaching sessions we don't do the group class thing because we really want to provide our students uh, with the emotional support as well because we understand how stressful these exams can be and how daunting it is to come up with a study plan so we really want to make sure that all of our students get that personalized support and that they get those personalized feedback and corrections on their responses for their speaking and the writing test, especially, which I would say is like what, what most students need help with is their speaking and their writing. Awesome. So it's englishforcanada.com. Englishforcanada.com and definitely follow us on social media. Um, I, I always recommend Dana's podcast because it's a huge contribution and it really helps 
our students too. We send them to to Dana to check out the podcast to improve their listening skills for the listening test on the CELPIP, especially. Yeah, because it's Canadian accents and you start learning some Canadian expressions and become more aware of the culture. So if you're planning on immigrating here, it's a good idea to start immersing yourself from home. Exactly. And I think that I've had students I know who have found me specifically from some of the exam podcasts that I've done. Because I think if you type in CellPip on um, Apple Podcasts, my podcast pops Mm -hmm. up. So, um, you know, if you are studying for the CELPIP or the IELTS or the TEFL exam, or you would like some coaching for um, improving your English, then definitely have to head to our exam experts. Thank you. And, and everyone, like, oh, the questions we always get, we have a lot of frequently asked questions, but always take into consideration like your personality when you want to book one of these exams because they all, they all differ. They have their own little diff- like special differences between them and it's good for you to go to official websites never use like youtube channels or like oh i saw so-and-so's website no go to official sources like ielts.org or paragon testing to try some of this like the mock tests that they've got on their website a lot of them are free just because it's important for you to get a feel for it what's the listening test like what's the reading test like which one do you prefer and then you can make an educated decision. Don't base it on another person's experience. Base it on your own uh, interpretation and feeling and intuition on which exam works best for you. We have a webinar about that. It's about 20 minutes if you want to grab some popcorn and watch that where we break down the format and answer some of our top questions as well on our channel. Perfect. So I'll, I will link that as well. And thank you so much for coming on and chatting with the, with us. I really appreciate awesome. it. Awesome. I appreciate your time and I wish you guys all an amazing rest of the year. Stay strong, stay healthy, and don't give up on your English. It's time to focus. Enjoy. Have fun. Okay, thanks. Bye. Okay, guys, that's it for this episode today. As always, if you would like to get the transcripts, then you can go to canlearnenglish.com to become a podcast student or a pro student. Please support this free podcast by liking, sharing, and subscribing. Until next time, guys. Bye-bye.